0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. This series, I'm I'm the final chapter in this series, um, and I was thinking about it this this morning that it's kind of fitting what I'm going to talk about today. So one of the things that Adam shared earlier is how I want to start my series is our world. Anybody heard this song before? Oh, the little notes didn't come up. Oh, well. Um, the song, I Did It My Way. <clears throat> and it was a song actually written by Paul Anka. And he wrote it in his... Excuse me. and <clears throat> his... Um, publisher, whoever said, you can't possibly give that to Frank Sinatra. This is going to be a good song. And he's like, this is Frank Sinatra's song. And uh, there's a whole backstory to it. But one commentator said this song self-determination, or in other words, I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. What sentiment could be more American than that? You know, many have claimed that to be their anthem, and I found something interesting. Up until about 20 years ago, it was the number one song used at people's funerals, that their um, their lives, you know, could be summed up in, I did it my way. Uh, His daughter is quoted as saying, he didn't like it. The song stuck, and he couldn't get it off his shoes. He always thought that the song was self-serving and self-indulgent. And if you know Frank Sinatra, this song was um, markedly different than everything else that he sang. The rest of his songs were love songs or about a boy or a girl and, and were the antithesis of my way. So I want to talk to you a little bit about individualism. So are you an individualist? To some extent, you probably are, whether you realize it or not, because individualism is baked into American culture. One of the the things that kind of coined it was Herbert Hoover gave a speech, and he talked about how we would succeed as a country through rugged individualism, we need to pull ourselves up by their bootstraps and get it done. And then the Great Depression hit. His, his, uh, his speech felt real flat after that. People looked at it and was like, wow, so what is individualism? Well, it's a principle or a habit or a belief in independent thought and action. It's the pursuit of individual rather than common or collective interests. It's egoism. Traits of individualistic cultures are being dependent upon others is often considered shameful or embarrassing. I want you to think about these as I read them off, and do you see this in our culture? Independence is highly valued. Individual rights take center stage. People often place a greater emphasis on standing out and being unique. People tend to be self-reliant. The rights of individuals tend to take a higher precedent. You see... um, I shared this a few years ago. So when I was young, I had an abortion, and I am—I uh, have lived with the shame and the um, consequences of that, and I still do. The shame is gone because of Jesus. I have been forgiven. And I've for, done the hard thing of forgiving myself. But when I really look at it, and he, please hear my heart, for those who are struggling and in a situation where they're seeking out an abortion, they need as much love as they can get. But having an abortion is one of the most selfish individual acts that it can happen. It doesn't take into account not only the baby, But the father, and in our culture, most of the fathers we think of are deadbeat dads and don't want to be a part. But I have specifically spoken to men who had no choice in what happened with their baby. Or the siblings that could have been. Or the grandparents who were robbed of a child. Yes, it is a very difficult issue. But it's not just about the woman. It's about more than just her. And cultures. So when we think about cultures, we see cultures who have this individualistic ideology, and they describe themselves. People will describe their, their person as I'm analytical, or I'm athletic, or I'm, it's all about me. But but that contrasts from people from collectivist societies, who when they describe them, say, they, they would describe themselves as, I'm a good wife, I'm a loyal friend. They describe themselves in the context of community. <clears throat> so we have these schools of thought. The first one is... i win you lose right there's limited resources i gotta get what i need or what i want so i might even have to take it from you anybody you don't have to raise your hand anybody (laughs) anybody ever felt like this i was gonna say no somebody but you know that but then we came along with this other idea that everybody wins right But there is a problem with this win-win mentality because really what people are saying is, I'm going to help you as long as it works for me. I'm going to, and it doesn't cost me too much. Like let's make sure we outweigh the benefits and the costs, right? So I, I only do something as long as I can get something. But what we should be thinking is I sacrifice, we win. Isn't that what Jesus did? I sacrificed. We went. Paul says this in Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, do you believe Jesus is your savior? That's number one. And if you believe he's your savior, then you want to be as close to him, as united with him as you can. If you've received any comfort from having his love, if you share in his Holy Spirit, if you receive his Holy Spirit, if you have any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I sacrifice, we win. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus. And now the next several verses in your Bibles, you might see them arranged a little differently. And it's because the next several verses were a hymn that people sang in the early church. There's question as whether Paul wrote it or somebody else wrote it, but what we do know is they sang it. It was a hymn. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't take what he could and use it to promote himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant their culture did not look at servants highly and jesus said i'm going to be a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearances uh, in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross do you know that the cross made out of wood Represented God's disapproval and his judgment. That's what wood means. And the cross to the Romans meant you were a threat to the empire, a rebellious one. Jesus' death on the cross equates us to liberation. We've been liberated from our rebellious self, we've been liberated from God's judgment were set free. And the 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 hymn continues therefore god exalted himself to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father. That's what they sang. That's what they believed. Corporately they pronounced the truth. So this series, Beautiful Resistance, unity must resist individualism. We must be unified. That's how you come against individualism. What did Jesus pray? Marilee shared this a few weeks ago. What was Jesus' prayer? His prayer was, not alone, not only for the disciples, but I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That's you. It's me. Jesus prayed for us that all of them would be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. Jesus gave us a gift. It's called unity. We have the gift of unity. We need to be exercising that. I and them and you and me, so they may be brought to complete unity. As we work this out, we become complete in unity. Why? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Our unity shows that God loved Jesus and he loved us. So you all know I love trees. If you didn't, you could ask a couple of people and they'll tell you. I love trees. Trees are amazing. I saw these trees. It's an aspen tree. It has one trunk and three parts. I just thought, oh. Now, not everyone has one trunk, three parts. But this particular one, <laughs> one trunk, three parts. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's so much like the unity that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit had. You know, Jesus didn't come down by himself to do it by himself. Right? He went to his father and he didn't do anything without what the father said. And then, and then when he died and sent the Holy spirit and the three of them work together in our lives. And, and I think about the church, you know, Adam shared this morning about, you know, the church is not just new day. And I think about apples. Did you know that apples, there are more of all the fruits and vegetables there are more varieties of apples than there are any varieties of any other fruit or vegetable. There's so many varieties. And what's really cool about apples is they're all apples. You know what? The church, New Day is a church, but so is trenches and center point. And they're all churches, right? They're all filled with Christians So I want to talk a little bit about what unity is and what it's not. First of all, unity is not separate from justice. When I think about justice, I mean, many of us automatically go to, you know, a courtroom or maybe we go right to the throne room of God and him judging. But do you know that justice is also healthy confrontation? A healthy church has healthy confrontation. And we know this because Paul, just read First and Second Corinthians. I mean, that's all Paul does is confront the church over and over again. You're sexually immoral. You've got people who are not working. You've got division among you. And he's doing it in a healthy way. I love you. I want the best for you. I'm going to confront you. It also has boundaries. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. We need to speak the truth so we can become more and more like Jesus. And Jesus had boundaries. Like, I mean, let's be honest, he's Jesus. When they came and said, let's overthrow Rome, he could have done that and still gone to the cross, right? But he had a boundary. No, (laughs) this is what I'm called to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Healthy boundaries, I'm, I'm like kind of on this kick about boundaries right now. You know, I, when I have a little kid in my house, when my grandson comes over and he wants to go play with the light socket, I don't let him. It's a good idea, but our culture is so steeped with, oh, but I wouldn't want him to be upset. I wouldn't want him to be sad. So we don't have any boundaries, Anybody see our culture lately? We have no boundaries. And, and part of that is we think if we have a boundary, you know, well, then they won't like me. Or if I, if, you know, I'm afraid. I, w- I want them to like me. And that becomes more important than, than the boundary that you need to have set. And if you're struggling with that, the way to deal with that is to go to the source. Get your love. Get your security from the Lord. And boundaries help keep people safe. They help make relationships be safe. Unity is not a standalone goal, okay? It's not unity at all cost for any reason. What do you mean, Kathy? Well, the Tower of Babel would have been a unified force didn't turn out very well right they were unified in evil there can be unity in evil I- evil goals um, Herod and Pilate they were pretty unified yeah go let, let's go crucify this guy the nazis they were very unified not for good right but unity we are supposed to be unity we are supposed to be unified as our church towards the goal of being more like Jesus. We pursue unity. And in Psalm 133, it says, How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? And lastly, unity is not uniformity. It does not mean everybody is exactly the same. Do you know what that means? that's a cult. Okay. Those are bad. All right. We are not, God embraces our differences. In, in, um, we sang, we sang the revelation song. Do you know, in revelation seven, nine, God talks about how there will be every culture, ethnicity, and race. He doesn't This is the end people at the end. He doesn't go, okay, we're going to all make everybody the same. I mean, he could do that, right? Like Jesus could, you know, I mean, God could do that. He doesn't. We're all created differently. And in Ephesians, it says that every joint supplies. So I don't know, maybe I'm a finger joint, you know, but I, we don't need a whole church full of them, right? We need a church full of differences, We have different giftings, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. They all list different giftings. You know, I'm up here teaching. We don't need everybody to teach. But we do need everybody to come with what you have to offer. And if you're hearing my voice, you have something to offer. I need you, every one of you, So what is unity what does unity look like it looks like Ephesians 4 Always be humble and gentle be patient with one another making allowances for each other's faults because of your love make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace for there is one body one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. And this is the key. As a church, we can agree to disagree on a whole bunch of things individually, but there's one thing we have to agree on. That's this. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. The core of our beliefs that Jesus died and rose again, and that's how you are saved, absolutely. We agree on those things, and the rest yeah. Can you healthily agree to disagree on i don't know, I'll say it politics. Doesn't, doesn't seem like we can right now, but I don't see it in, in the Bible. So what stops unity? Paul says in Second Corinthians, he said, For I am afraid when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. There's confrontation coming. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Anybody see that in the world today? (laughs) It shouldn't be in our church. It shouldn't be in the church. You know, gossip is so damaging. And unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, we do it without realizing it. Oh, you know what? So and so just told me something. And we need to pray for them. Right? And you know that in your heart when you say something and it's not quite that's gossip. Pride. James 4.1 says, what is causing the quar- quarrels and fights among you? They don't, co- don't they come from your evil desires at war within you? That in yourself, you're like looking out for yourself. It's pride. Pride needs to be put to death. Things done in the secret place, whether they be sin." If you're struggling with something that is a sin, you need to find somebody to talk to about it so that you can get free from the sin and then be accountable so that you can continue to walk in freedom. Amen? Do you know what sin does? It kills you. It steals from you. You know, the other thing that are done in secret is, is sometimes there's our fears. Sometimes we're afraid. So last week, Ray and I went up north. So anybody who knows me knows I am a chicken when it comes to heights. Oh, terrified. Don't like heights. I'll do a roller coaster. But they have those things and you kind of feel safe, you know. Well, we went to Boyne and they have this new pedestrian bridge that's a cable or what is it? I forget. Suspension bridge. And we went on a windy day (laughs) and yes, I posted pictures and my son noticed that I had a death grip on the rail and he's correct. I did have a death grip on the rail and my husband, because he knows my fear and because I trust him, he was right behind me going, "Eh, this isn't any big deal. You can do this. It's all good. You could even take your hand off the rail. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I did one time to take his picture. <laughs> the wind, I'm telling you, the wind, it was really windy. And then we got to this one place in the bridge. So you're walking along and it's like these, I don't know. Anyway, these I don't know if it was wood or I don't remember because I didn't look down too much. I kept looking out. Okay. And then there's this one section where they put um, panels that you can see through. Isn't that fun? <laughs> So I get to that place and I see these other people, and there was one guy behind us who goes, "I guess we should start jumping on the bridge." And I turned around, and went, "No!" <laughs> like, he got a kick out of it. And the whole time, my husband's like, "Oh, look, at it. it's really beautiful out there," and I'm like, "Yep, yep, it's really beautiful," you know. So we get to the part that's glass, or not glass. I don't. It's see-through. And I'm like, okay, I think I could do this. Could you hold my hand? (laughs) And so he held my hand and I was like, I walked, I looked down. I did look down, not straight down. That, there's no way. I looked down, I got through and Ray's like, we could stay up here. I'm like, nope, see ya. (laughs) Like, they lined out. But if I had not shared with him my fear, trusted him to help me through, I would have missed an amazing view. And it was amazing. Fortunately, he took pictures so I could look at him again later when I wasn't terrified. Um, But I probably would never have done the bridge. I would have never walked across it if I didn't have somebody with me. We need to do that for one another. The other thing that stops unity is envy or competition. I want you to take a look at this picture. So we were at this... um, this beautiful place and you know those trees what's crazy about the picture is that those trees are um a lot of them are aspen trees but there's a whole bunch of them but there's all these little maple trees on the ground do you know that they're they used to believe that they were competing with one another and recently the scientists decided they're not like that tree right there in the front it's just going to the sun it's just going to the sun and the tree next to it is just going to the sun. And all the little maple trees, they're just going to the sun. Right? That's how we should be. We should be looking to the sun. Right? We look to the sun. And if you're, you're shooting up and you're getting to the sun, I should be cheering you on. And do you know that trees do help one another, there's this social network in trees. And they don't even have to be the same kind. Like most of us think, okay, well, if you have a maple tree and it puts out a shoot, puts out a maple tree, I get that, right? And I get that. Like I have kids, I want them to do well. I encourage them, I spur them on. Absolutely. These trees are not doing that. I mean, they're doing that, but they're also doing this crazy thing. They're actually putting, getting so much extra sugar. They're making so much because they're up there and they're getting it from the sun. They're making extra sugar. They're sending it through their root system. And it goes to other trees of different kinds and feeds them. How do we know this? Scientists took DNA from the trees and found DNA from that tree in that tree. They feed others. There's also this picture, this crazy picture of how a um, forest, when they they have these big trees who are getting all kinds of nutrients from the sun and they're giving it all away, they're called hub trees in a forest. So there's all these other trees. And if you take out these hub trees, like, like say you take four out of this whole forest, you lose like half of the forest because the nutrients that those hug trees were providing the other trees is now gone. It matters that you're here. You're giving life to me, and I'm giving life to you. We share our resources in the church. We, we saw this. There there was a tree that um, was dead, but it still was putting out shoots because the other trees in the area knew it needed nutrients, so it was sending all kinds of nutrients to it. Who among you is sick? Maybe you're sick in the heart. Let your church nurse you back to health. So what creates unity? Worshiping together. Sharing. Struggles. Praying with one another. Sitting with those who are sick. You know, the Jewish culture. um, Everything was a community event. They knew, like, even if they didn't know, like, if they had a funeral, even if they didn't know the person who died, they knew the community that was affected, everybody showed up to support those that were living. There's, there's a right thing to honoring the dead, but we need to support those that are living. We need to support one another. We need to rejoice when we see breakthrough. But you won't know about breakthrough unless you know about someone's struggle. Eating together. Not just communion. Sharing a meal. Our community groups are so vital. They're so vital. If you can, if there's any way you can take part in a community group, it is one avenue to help us to have more unity. Attending celebrations. I've had a, I, I have a lot of kids, but I have had several that have graduation parties and the whole church shows up. And I love that. I love that. You know, Adam talked about earlier, I just was reminded when he was sharing that, you know, when my family gets together, if one of my kids isn't there, I'm sad. Or one of my grandkids, I want everybody there. Church, I feel that way about Sunday morning. I want to see everybody. I, I, want, I want to be a part of you, and I want you to be a part of me. And you know what the truth is? God showed me this. Jesus died for you, right, or, and me. And he would have died if it was just one. We know that from the parable of the lost sheep, right? Does everybody agree on that? Can I get an Amen. Who is he coming back for? The church. He's coming back for the church. I have a heart for those who have left. Unity. So we're going to do something a little different to end the service today. We're going to sing a song. It's a throwback song. That I as I was preparing, I couldn't think of any better way to really describe what unity looks like than this song. It's called, I Belong to You. It was written by our former pastor, Ken. We would sing it every time we had communion, we would sing this, and we would sing it to each other. I'll never forget the first time I was in the church. I uh, had no real good background for church, and people are looking at each other, singing to each other, and I'm like, what did I sign up for? But you know what? The more I did it, the more I realized I, you know, there's power in your words. G- God spoke the world into existence, and then he created us in him, his image. Your words have power. So when we sing this song, I belong to you, and you belong to me. As a gift from heaven. You're a gift. You're a gift given to each other. We've been joined together in a holy family. The tree of life has become our family tree. In the love of our father and the grace of Christ our brother. I belong to you and you belong to me. There's a second verse as well. But we're going to sing this together. So would you guys stand? And just I just as we do this, I really want you to let it resonate. This is a family. You're my family. And we need to have unity. I belong to
1: you and you belong to me as a gift from heaven, we've been given to each other. We've been joined together in our holy family. The tree
0: with that let's really think about how we can be unified this week you know, dig out of our hearts places that we have been you know steeped with our culture and think we can do everything on our own reach out to one another and then if you are struggling with something we have a prayer team that's available today they would love to pray with you and then come back next week church this is, this is when we gather this is what we do And Bill's going to kick off a new series about Colossians. So with that, let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you that you died for us. that You're coming back for all of us. And that you displayed what unity looks like. And that we get to partake with one another. We don't have to do it all on our own. Thank you for your constant love and support. Amen. So with that, would you go do and be Christ in your community?